Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. Tonight I am joined by guitarist Jeff Schrader from Smashing Pumpkins. New album, Seer, is out today. Why today? Um, That's a good question. You know, I don't know exactly why we chose today other than that. I feel like we probably would have put it out a little bit sooner. Um, But with, obviously, with COVID and stuff, things got pushed back a little bit because we had to figure out how we were going to release the album in terms of promotion and whatnot. So I think that pushed the date back a little bit. But other than that, I don't know why. Um, well, I think, I don't know, maybe typical Pumpkins Black Friday is, is an uh, apropos name for kind of what we do. <laughs> so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give you that answer. That's the reason why, cause it, because it's Black Friday. <laughs> and it's Record Store Day. There's a ton of, of really great releases coming out today. Do you have any that you're looking forward to? Um, I, no, I haven't, you know, cause I haven't been venturing out too much, even though, um, I, today is, I think is actually the third installment, right? Cause they kind of staggered it. I do, I do watch it and I looked at the big list of things that were coming out, but I have nothing on my radar actually for records. I'm, I'm to me, honestly, every day is record store day because <laughs> I'm a big record collector. So I, I'm always, um, buying things it's and, important to yeah. support our record stores yeah yeah i'm a big i'm a big record collector and so um i i'm i'm always and i'm always going to my local record stores. obviously less now but than than normal but yeah i'm a big advocate of of, of vinyl I've, in fact i've never stopped buying vinyl um it was the first format that i bought records and um our music when I was a kid and, and I never stopped buying. And I really, you know, the, the great thing about once CDs became like the big dominant, like format records were so cheap because guys were just selling all their collections. And I was just buying up records in the nineties and two thousands for, for so cheap. They're not, you know, they've gotten quite expensive now, but, they used to be they used to be a really great way to collect if you could guess how many vinyls do you think you have right now uh i mean i don't have th- that many compared to some people but i ha- maybe tw- 2500 oh my gosh <laughs> but some people i know like billy has like probably 10,000 you know what i mean or even more you know what i mean he's got like a crazy amount <laughs> All I can think about is what it would be like to have to move all those. So heavy. Believe believe me, I've done them all. I've you know, luckily I've been able to use movers now more <laughs> more recently. But but I do personally pack them up, and um, because I'm very meticulous about how I want them packed up, so they they show up and arrive in order, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and it's and just so even packing them up and then moving them like in stacks. It's, it, I mean, it's crazy heavy, but yeah, when movers come over and they, they, they they see like, Oh, you have that many records. And I have a lot of, and I have a lot of books too. They're, oh, wow. they're, they're always they're kind of like, they're, they're kind of like kind of bombed. <laughs> yeah. So back to Sear, how did the writing and production for this album work? Um, well, this record was done over a pretty long period of time, and um, and I'll give you a little bit of context. 
as to kind of why it took the shape that it did. And I'll try to do it as, as quickly as possible. Is, you know, it, in 2018, we came out with Shiny No So Bright Volume 1, which was produced by Rick Rubin. And it was basically more like an, an EP for us than an LP. And the reason um, that ended up being is the original idea was that we were only going to do one song that was going to be a single for the tour. And then when we turned in the demos to Rick, he was like, I really like like eight of these songs. I think the band, you guys are getting along so great. There's a certain uh, excitement here. Why don't we document it? And so we did that and we did that album very quickly, which is very unpumpkins. So after we did that big tour and we talked about doing a new record, we're like, okay, let's go do a proper pumpkins record, um, which is Seer. And, it really started with a long period of writing and then um, choosing the right songs, you know, um, and then a lot of, lot of hours in the studio just going like, okay, how are we going to do this album? Like what's this kind of the stylistic parameters that we're going to um, establish and then the tracking and then, you know, the mixing. It, it, was, it, it took about a year to do it. And we did go on tour here and there a few times. Um, but it basically uh, was about a year-long process. So very thought out, very methodical um, in terms of it wasn't a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type of record by any stretch of the imagination. So for something like this, when you guys make a decision, okay, we're going to do this now, if you were living in L.A., would you move to Chicago or would you do it like over Zoom the way most things have been done this year? Well, at the time, I still was living in Chicago, and so I was there most of the time. Were all the <laughs> yeah, band so, members there? No. So um, someone like James would work kind of remotely. We'd send them set, and then he'd come out for just a brief period of time. But at the time, me and Jimmy and Billy were, you know, I was still, the three of us were in Chicago, and then James would come out from time to time. I talked to Butch Vig last week. And Smashing Pumpkins had a few albums, I believe it was before you were in the band, that they recorded with yeah. Butch Vig at Smart Studios here in Madison. And I said, I'm going to be talking to Smashing Pumpkins next week. What should I say? And he said, what I always said was, turn up the guitars. <laughs> it's true, right? <laughs> you know, the beauty, I mean, we do love guitar, even though um, Sear is a very different type of guitar record. You know, it's the guitars are much more kind of layered with the synths and sometimes people, whether it's thicker synths are actually guitars and stuff, but um, it is still uh, very much like, I think if you see the band live, particularly right now, it's just a, a guitar onslaught. And uh, we've had, to be honest, never had more fun with the guitar and, and um, I think we're cooking up some very exciting stuff in the future with, with guitar stuff as well. How many guitarists are in the band right now? Well, the three, three and a bass player. So me, James Ehan, and Billy Corgan, of course. Okay. Do you feel like you're more motivated by a deadline or freedom to create on your own timeline? Um, deadlines, I think, are good. Um, because, you know, it's like with, especially with studio work now, you can get really, really lost in, um, choices, you know, there's between, um, 
like especially if you start using like digital type of products, there's every sound and reverb and delay and stuff available. So deadlines are good for actually going like, hey, you got to have this in. And usually, and usually what it is for rock bands um, that tour is you have a tour planned. And that kind of says, okay, you got to be done with this because you're going to be out on the road. So I think that, you know, for all artists, I think deadlines are good, regardless of what medium you work in. I think we need them. I personally do. So with so many guitarists in the band, do you each have like a separate role or is it more like you all work together and mash together? Um, I think that, well we have a common goal and the first goal is especially is to make the band sound great, Mm -hmm. you know, and then um, like in the studio, it's much different than live in the studio. It's, 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 we kind of tend to have, um, it's not necessarily like a democratic process. We have more of a process of like best idea wins. So whether Billy or James or I come up with a part. It's like when you when we all sit around in the room and go, oh, that sounds great. That's what gets in. Then when we transfer to a live format, it's about who has the best strengths and weaknesses to make this song or this particular set sound the best. So that's what we rely on. And we try to, of course, we try to emphasize people's strengths. And um, that's how we approach the live situation. So, um, like, uh, like James is, is very talented in creating beautiful, weird textural type of guitar sounds, you know, and Billy's just like a great lead player and riff and kind of riff guy. And I'm more like the kind of, I guess the shredder technical metal person. So if we need something that's very like technical blazing solo, it's like, Oh, let's let Jeff do that because you know, let's have our Van Halen moment in the middle of the show or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) And um, so that's what we do. And and that, and that's really great. And it's, um, I mean, people would think that it would be hard to negotiate, but it's really not because um, the, the records themselves are so layered and dense with guitars that it's actually, um, necessary to have three of us to replicate it and we've been and we've never gotten as many compliments on our live sound as we did in 2018 i think that had a lot to do with being able to orchestrate the guitars um more effectively and more like the records and i think people really enjoyed that you mentioned live in 2018 you were here in madison nearly two years ago to the day Tomorrow, November 28th, will be two years since you played our brand new venue, The Sylvie. Do you remember I remember. That? Okay. What I was do, it, I do. What was it like to play such a new venue with amenities for artists built into the design? It was beautiful. And the backstage areas were so nice and clean. And, and, you know, and, and I got to tell you, I don't uh, romanticize... Um, like a dirty dressing room, dingy club at all at this point in my life. So to go to a place where, um, number one, it looks beautiful and sounds great. And the stage was state of the art. And then the dressing rooms and catering and everything was just wonderful. It was, I, I, 
I think it was the first show of that little run that we did. So I, I distinctly remember it. And I remember driving there from Chicago and then driving home and it was snowing and our tour manager was driving and he drives crazy. And I was like, dude, you're from California. You've got to slow down. You can't drive like this. <laughs> so I, I just, I very much remember that show. Yeah. Um, and it being totally fun. Cause I actually had quite a few friends that were, that came that live in Wisconsin that came to that show too. So I distinctly remember it. We're very proud of it, but I think a lot of fans of music don't realize how much of it is built for bands. I mean, there's a garage specifically for buses. There's dressing rooms specifically built for certain size bands. There's all these amenities in the back that we don't get to see, but also make Madison a great place to stop. Um, A lot of our venues don't have room to park. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm like I said, I remember watching going like, wow, this is, what a great place. What are some of your must-haves on tour? Well, for me, I'm, well, two, two things. Um, I'm, a, I'm addicted to, to coffee. And not just, you know, I, I'm kind of a connoisseur and I'm a big, so always, for me, backstage on making sure that we, and we usually carry our own, you know, but I have to have like a grinder, like a nice grinder. <laughs> <laughs> and then I always get someone to get some locally roasted beans from like a, a nicer coffee, coffee shop. And then, so between, so that, so I can make really nice coffee. And then I prefer to have my own, I don't call it a dressing room because I don't use it to just, but I, I like to have like a Jeff warm up room where cause I, I, I like to play guitar. Mm-hmm. Like on a show day, I want to play guitar like three hours before we go on stage. Oh, wow. That's like a long I, time. I just like to play. And um, because I found that I just play a lot better when I'm really loose and warmed up and, and um, I, I'm already in the zone and, and playing just makes it, it just good. Then going on stage, very warmed up. It just makes it much easier. So, that's kind of just having the coffee in my place. I'm good. Wikipedia says that you're working on your PhD in comparative literature at UCLA. Is that true? Um, you know, it's so funny because I don't understand like the rules of Wikipedia because <laughs> I've done it. I, I was working on my PhD at UCLA. That is true, and I was a, I was, um, and I basically got to the stage of of writing my dissertation, but. I was maybe three years of being into the Smashing Pumpkins by then. And so I was like, I can't, you know, it's not like you can just write a dissertation in your spare time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It required a lot of it. And I was, you know, traveling the world playing in a rock band. Um, I was like, I think I'm going to stick to this rather than (laughs) sit in a library by myself for the next two years writing this dissertation. Uh, And so it has, you know, and I've gone in and tried to update some of the, the inaccuracies of my Wikipedia page, you know, and they change them back because I'm not like a authorized person, but I'm like, this is me and this information is wrong. Maybe <laughs> but, we can um, use this interview as a source and get that changed. <laughs> that's true. That is true. So yeah, um, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not anymore, You've but been... I, I have, you know, but I just did actually just did a, a few weeks ago, did a really nice interview for the alumni <laughs> <laughs> the alumni magazine. Nice. 
Yeah. Some of the stuff that was under what comparative literature included, I was like, I don't even know what those words mean. It's not important. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not important. You've been with Smashing Pumpkins for over a decade now. Is it still as surreal as it was in the beginning when you're trying to pick between Smashing Pumpkins and a dissertation? Um, well, let me see. It, it, it's been almost actually 14 years now. Um, it's been probably, when I really think about it, the single most impactful thing of my life in terms of, of changing the course of what I was doing, who I was able to become, people I would meet, relationships I would have and relationships I would lose. And, you know what I mean? And um, to me, I made a decision that, well, the, the first couple, let me just, let me go back actually, but the first couple of years were just trying to understand what was taking place because you think you know what you're getting into. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so the, we're just kind of figure out like, Oh, this is how all this works. This is what the music industry is like. This is how people will treat you. This is what it, I mean, I had never played in front of more than maybe a thousand people. And then all of a sudden, you know, our third show, my third show with the band, we were playing a festival in Europe in front of like 70,000 people. You know, it was, I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't enjoy it because I was just so nervous the whole time and just trying to like not make mistakes and, and, and play well. And, 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 you know, but then once I settled in, um, I really thought to myself, I said, you need to enjoy and value every single moment. Don't take any of this for granted because like kind of we are right now, things can be taken away, mm-hmm. you know, very quickly. And, you know, hopefully, and, you know, we're planning on everything kind of coming back. But, you know, so there have been so many moments in my life uh, or with my time with the Smashing Pumpkins where I've just been like, wow, this is really cool, you know, and... I can give you a couple because of things that have recently happened. And, and, and one being, you know, Billy and I were very lucky um, in 20, I think it was 2012 or 2013 to spend, you know, about an hour, 90 minutes with Eddie Van Halen. He came to our show in LA and was so cool. He, you know, just hung out in our dressing room and just talked to the two of us just about music. Let us ask him a bunch of, all kinds of questions, you know, about his guitar playing and what he was into. And, and, you know, obviously with him passing recently, you know, I was looking at pictures from that night that we took with him and, and it's hard for me to even imagine like that it happened, mm-hmm. you know, that like, wow, like I actually spent time with that guy and he treated me like so kindly and sent me one of his Wolfgang guitars to play wow. on stage and was just, you know, super cool. And then a more recent, uh, another recent event was, you know, before this album, we were doing the album, I said, with Rick Rubin, and we're about ready to lay down the the basic track um, for the first song. 
And I looked in the room, I'm like, wow, there's Billy playing the piano, there's Jimmy Chamberlain behind the drums, there's James Eha. And like, how did I get here looking at this? You know, yeah, <laughs> here I am. And then I look through the, the window of the studio and you see Rick Rubin standing there like watching you guys play. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, this is really cool. And, and, and I, I really do value those moments because I know that they're special and not everybody gets to do that stuff. And I'm, I'm very thankful. The universe in that way has been very kind to me. How did you get picked for the band? That's a good question. Um, I think, um, you know, there's easy, there's a, there's, you know, the easy answer and, and, and the real answer and who knows what, and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, a friend of mine, um, who a former bandmate of mine knows a lot of people, uh, and, someone from the management had reached out and said, Hey, pumpkins are getting back together. And at the time, James wasn't going to be coming back. And so they're going to be looking for people. And this person asked me if I knew anybody in LA that I thought would be appropriate. And I thought of you and I think you should do it. And, um, I never, and I was at UCLA getting my doctorate and I really, I, and I never tried out for bands. I wasn't someone like, Hey, I'm going to audition for whatever band you're looking for a guitar player. You know, there's a lot of people in LA that do that. They move to LA to become like basically like a session slash touring musician. I was never that. I only had my own band. And I think that that was something that did attract, um, you know, um, the pumpkins to me. And then, so I had to write a bio which I, because I didn't even have one because like I said, I wasn't looking to do that stuff. And so I was a, a, a big fan of the band and, and I feel like as a guitar player, I kind of had some pretty decent insight into what Billy would be into, you know, cause I, you know, understanding the stuff. So I, I, I would like to say that in my bio, when I wrote that, who my guitar influences were, I think it would, I think who I put down there, was made Billy go like, wow, we got to talk to this guy. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? And um, and I think that that had a lot to do with it. If the world so. went back to normal tonight and COVID was completely erased, where would you go first? You know where I've been going, and I could they actually you know when you know they're actually been having outdoor dining, but I would love to be able to go inside and hang out. Is I love going to the Rainbow Bar and Grill now in hollywood and because it's such a a rock institution and um like the other night i met i had dinner um with one you know one of my guitar reps and um and i uh i got there and he said oh you just missed it billy gibbons was just sitting back there drinking a beer i'm like oh my god you know So it's just like one of those kind of places and, you know, it, it just, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of survived the test of time through different genre styles. It's kind of just been this little oasis of, of rock and roll. And, and I love just going there. So when you mentioned your guitar influences in that bio, did they lean more rock? It was a combination. You know, I think I had, um, you know, people like Richie Blackmore, um, you know, um, 
two black words, but things like my bloody Valentine and mm. who, you know, I have to, I have it somewhere, you know, um, who else would I would have put, you know, but it was, it was the right combination of, of, of the right combination of things that would, you know, that would pique Billy's interest. Yeah. Technicality, interest and talent. Yeah. Just tie it yeah, all together. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what the the funny thing, you know, that I would say about any of this for anybody who's an aspiring musician or once would ever think about joining a band, an established band is playing well and being a good musician is number one, it's a given, but it's really only half the gig. The other half of the gig is how well you can hang with the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. And and that's a skill that many musicians have a tough time with. And so I would say that that's something, if you're ever going to get involved in in music on that level, it's, it's that's something that you, you also have to work on. And I'm not saying I'm particularly talented at that, but I feel like um, having some insight into, like, of of respect and earning your keep um, has a lot to do with it too. Do you wish that you could collaborate with other artists? Of course, yeah. There's always like the dream list of artists that I would love to collaborate with. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have so many people that I'm um, that I love and and then that I'm influenced by. You know, like I. Um, like I'm on the huge, you know, these are just like, like kind of dreams, like things where I'd be like, Oh, I would love to work with someone like, um, like St. Vincent. I think that she's just her way of playing the guitar and her songwriting and stuff is so beautiful and so talented. Or, um, I would love to, you know, like I'm a big fan of like Steve Vai, you know, the guitar mm-hmm. player, you know, so to work with someone like him would like would be, you know, I just respect him so much as a person too. Yeah. You know, it would be really, really wonderful. So I think there's always these kind of dream people that we would love. But I'm, you know, very lucky that I get to play in a band with like such talented people like James and Billy and Jimmy Chamberlain and, you know, and, you know, getting to learn, you know, having over the years been able to learn what they learned from people like Butch Big and Flood and Alan Mulder and all these great producers and, and engineers that they worked with. So um, I've been pretty lucky. Is it weird to think that there are people out there who wish they could collaborate with you? Um, yeah, it always, I try not to, you know, because I try not to think of myself in that way, you know, and then some days, um, you know, I look and I'm like, like wow, like you got to do some, you you do some pretty cool stuff, and you, you know, and you've worked pretty hard to get it. You know, I I, try, I just try not to think that way, just because for me, like the ego can be like your biggest detriment, and and I always just look at like, especially just as a musician, like I love the guitar so much, and and I just I kind of made the choice. To, to forever be a student, you know? So I just look at like, it's, it, no matter how good I've gotten or how proficient on the instrument, I just more looking like, what do I need to work on? You know, I try not to think about accolades or anything too much. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else that you would like to add? 
you know what? All I'd like to say is, you know, thank you so much to everybody that's been listening to the new music. I mean, we've been like really touched by the positive response that we've gotten from the songs that we've kind of let out to the public so far off the new album and that we can hardly wait to come back and, and play in Madison again. And we're definitely going to be ready to bring the rock. <laughs> Turn up those guitars. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. For right. sure. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. Thank you. Smashing Pumpkins' new double album, Seer, came out today. You can find it in stores everywhere and online. This is the title track, Seer, on The Resistance.